0: Today on the Matt Wall Show, the Senate trial of Donald Trump continues, and we continue to be told about the deadly riot in which five people were killed. But is it true that five people were killed by the riot? How did that happen? What are the details? We've been told very little about that. We'll take a look at uh, what we do know today. Also, five headlines, including Joe Biden's plan to raise the minimum wage, which, which the Congressional Budget Office says would wipe out thousands and thousands of jobs. And One of the greatest videos in the history of the internet goes viral. Yesterday, we'll play that. Plus, our daily cancellation where we will uh, discuss the insane left-wing conspiracy theory surrounding my favorite restaurant, Cracker Barrel. All of that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show. You know, if you've had getting life insurance on your to-do list for a long time, as a lot of people have, then uh, don't wait any longer. This is the kind of thing you know. You, you, pe- people wait and wait and wait until uh, it could be too late. Policy Genius can help help you check off two big items with ease. Compare life insurance rates and save fifty percent or more in the process. That means more cash to put towards the things that you care about, whatever that might be. There's absolutely no hassle for Policy Genius. Their licensed experts work for you, not the insurance companies, so they can offer unbiased advice. When you need it. And here's how it works. First, you head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need, compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Policy Genius will compare policies starting in as little as $1 a day. You might even be eligible for um, for skipping the in person medical exam. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape. If you hit any speed bumps during the application process, they're going to take care of everything. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five star rating across 1,600 reviews on Trustpilot and Google. You can't get that kind of uh, service anywhere else. Policy Genius just makes it so easy for you to do this really important thing and get life insurance. So if you're worried that March is just around the corner and you've barely gotten anything done, take a deep breath. PolicyGenius will help you make the most of this short month in minutes. You can save 50% or more by comparing quotes and uh, feel good knowing that your loved ones would be taken care of if anything would happen to you. So go to PolicyGenius.com to get started. PolicyGenius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. We've been told time and time again that the riot in D.C. on January 6th was deadly or fatal or lethal, as it has been variously described by the media. Uh, This point is being hammered with extra enthusiasm during the Senate impeachment trial of Donald Trump this week. And it's a point that the media has embedded into the public consciousness over the course of the last month. Five deaths. You know, that's that's the number we've been given. In fact, all in all, a total of seven deaths have been tied to the riot Uh, four citizens and three police officers. Now, when I say these, ra- these deaths have been tied to the riot, I mean that the connection has been made by the media and by the, the political class, by Democrats, not really by any official source. See, the, the odd thing is that these, these deaths are only discussed in the most general and vague terms, if you haven't noticed. We're told that people died and we're given the approximate context of their deaths, but Very little is said about how it happened. But the how seems rather important, doesn't it? Don't you wonder that when you hear five people died in a riot? Isn't your first question, how the heck did that happen? It's important for the families who have a right to know exactly how and why their loved ones perished. And it's important to the American public, which has a right to know the full truth about an event that's been used to justify the indefinite militarization of our capital, the impeachment of a former president. I think we all have a right to know what happened. It's important most of all because the truth simply matters. It matters for its own sake, putting everything else aside. If we're going to be told so often and in such dramatic terms that the riot claimed the lives of five people or even seven people, then we should be told how exactly that occurred. And if the people making the claim don't themselves know how it occurred, then they shouldn't be making the claim at all. If they do know and they aren't telling us, then that opens up a whole new realm. Of problems. So based on the available information, let's take a closer look at these deaths and the circumstances surrounding them. Out of seven deaths in some way tied back to the riot and out of the three police officer deaths, we know that two were tragic suicides in the days and weeks following the chaos. Acting Metro- Metropolitan Police Chief Robert Conti said that, uh, that officers Jeffrey Smith and Howard Liebingood quote, took their own lives in the aftermath of that battle. Now, does that mean that the trauma of the event pushed them over the edge? Did they leave notes or make statements indicating that the riot itself had caused that kind of psychological damage? Or did they have other things going on internally or in their personal lives that led to this tragic conclusion? Is there any evidence at all that the events of January 6th played any role in their suicides? If anybody anybody knows the answers to those questions, they aren't telling us. All that we can say for sure is that two men who were serving in the line of duty when a riot broke out later went on to take their own lives. Anybody who connects these two facts is making an assumption. And I would say a rather cynical and inappropriate and actually outrageous assumption. As for the civilian deaths tied to the riot, we know at least their names. Here are their names. Benjamin Phillips, Ashley Babbitt, um, Roseanne Boyland, and Kevin Greeson. It was reported by Chief Conti himself immediately after the riot that three of the victims, Phillips, Boyland, and Greeson, died from, quote, separate medical emergencies. Kevin Greeson's family later confirmed that he had high blood pressure and died of a heart attack, quote, in the midst of the excitement. Even fewer details have been given about Benjamin Phillips' death but we do know that he suffered a stroke at some, at some point on January 6th, and then later uh, then it was taken to a hospital and died in the hospital. For Roseanne Boylan, the story is even murkier. It was initially reported by the media that Boylan was trampled to death. Now, this would certainly qualify unquestionably as a death caused by the riot. Yet a more in depth examination of her death in the New York Times shows that she collapsed while amid a flood of people near the Capitol building. Others in the crowd tried to revive her, gave her CPR. But she eventually died anyway. The chief medical examiner of Washington, D.C. As of January 21st, anyway, said that her cause of death is pending. Was she indeed trampled to death? Or did she suffer some other medical emergency? Like the two other fatalities I just mentioned. Did she have trouble breathing because of the crush of people? Uh, Did she have any kind of pre-existing condition? We're left only to speculate. Ashley Babbitt is the clearest case case of all. She was certainly killed by violence during the riot. No question about that. But she was killed by a police officer, not a rioter. She was killed while trying to climb through a broken door inside the Capitol building. Babbitt was unarmed and she was shot through the neck and she died quickly. That leaves Officer Brian Sicknick. Now, in many ways, the circumstances surrounding his death are the murkiest of all. Immediately following the riot, the Capitol Police issued a statement saying that an officer had, quote, passed away due to the injuries sustained while on duty. And we were told that he, he re- quote, returned to his division office and collapsed. And then he was taken to a hospital where he died. The Times and others reported that the officer, soon identified as Brian Sicknick, was bludgeoned with a, with a fire extinguisher by someone or multiple people in the crowd. And this is the story that stuck, that he was bludgeoned to death. Um, as prominent human rights lawyer, Kasim Rashid put it on January 8th, He said Sicknick, quote, was beat to death by a fire extinguisher to his skull by right-wing terrorists. And that was the narrative. That's been the narrative all along. That's what most people think happened. The problem with the narrative is that it doesn't appear to be true. Now, little has been officially revealed about Sicknick's cause of death, common theme here emerging. And the autopsy results, for whatever reason, have not been made available to the public. But in a report... That didn't receive much attention or emphasis last week, CNN reveals this, and I'm going to quote from their article. It's kind of long, so just bear with me, but all this information is important, and I want to give it to you exactly how they put it. So they say, quote, investigators are struggling to build a federal murder case regarding fallen U.S. Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick, vexed by a lack of evidence that could prove someone caused his death as he defended the Capitol during last month's insurrection. Authorities have reviewed video and photographs that show Sicknick engaging with rioters amid the siege, but have yet to identify a moment in which he suffered his fatal injuries. Law enforcement officials familiar with the matter, uh, this is what, this is what f- law enforcement officials familiar with the matter said. Continuing, to date, little information has been shared publicly about the circumstances of the death of the 13-year veteran of the police force, including any findings from an autopsy that was conducted by DC's medical examiner. Findings from a medical examiner's review have not yet been released and authorities have not made any announcements about the ongoing process. According to one law enforcement official, medical examiners did not find signs that the officer sustained any blunt force trauma. So investigators believe that early reports that he was fatally struck by a fire extinguisher are not true. One possibility being considered by investigators is that Sicknick became ill after interacting with a chemical irritant like pepper spray or bear spray that was deployed in the crowd. But investigators reviewing video of the officer's time around the Capitol haven't been able to confirm that in the tape, uh, which has been recovered so far. The case could also be complicated if Sicknick had a pre-existing medical condition. It could not be learned if he did. All right. What this all means is that Sicknick's death, while obviously tragic, no matter what caused it, was not necessarily the result of any direct action taken by anyone in the crowd. There is to date, according to these reports, no evidence at all that Sicknick was murdered. There is no evidence, at least none provided to the public, that his death was caused by the riot, even indirectly. All we actually know, all we've been told is that Officer Sicknick was at the riot, and then he died later. That is the full extent of the information officially given to the public. That's it. This officer was there, and he died later. Now, I'm not joking with you when I I tell you that is literally all we've been told, officially. Overall, based on the available evidence, we can say conclusively that one person, not five, one, was directly killed by violence in the riot. That's what we can say conclusively. One person directly killed by violence in the riot. And that's the person who was killed by a Capitol police officer. As she was unarmed. We can say with relative certainty that two others died of medical emergencies stemming from underlying health concerns. So that leaves two. Sicknick and Boyland. Whose deaths are still a relative mystery. Again, a mystery to us in the public. Now, Presumably, the autopsy results could lend quite a bit of clarity, but those results are being withheld. I'm no doctor, I admit, but I I would guess, and anyone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I would guess that an autopsy and medical examination could rather conclusively determine whether a person was or was not trampled to death in one case or beat to death in the other. It it would seem to me that that's the kind of thing that through doing a medical examination and an autopsy, you'd be able to tell. Yet, if those determinations were made, we're being kept in the dark. What this means is that anyone who connects five deaths to the riot is spreading misinformation. They're making these connections based on assumption, rumor, and speculation. Now, I don't want to engage in my own speculation, so I'm not going to speculate about why we are not being told the autopsy results of Officer Brian Sicknick. You know, if we are ever told, it seems that it is going to be after the Senate trial of Donald Trump. I'm not going to speculate about whether those two things are connected. But at a certain point, common sense has to take over on that end, anyway. But there's a lot we still don't know. And for anyone who says, well, oh, we shouldn't wait, to, how, how dare you even talk about this? People died. That's all that matters. It's a tragedy. Yeah, it is a tragedy. But the fact that people died is not the only thing that matters. How they died also matters. And we deserve to know the truth. Now let's get to our five headlines. One of the, one of the best gifts that you can give yourself is the gift of, of knowledge, of learning. You know, because the process of learning is something, whatever your education level is, um, whatever your uh, sort of official education level is, this is something we all have to continue to do is learn and grow and, uh, and become better, more you know, deeper, more interesting people in the process. And that's why you should check out Great Courses. I've been a, I've been a big Great Courses fan for a long time, for years now. And with their latest, The Great Courses Plus, you have unlimited access to thousands of videos and audio lectures on hundreds of fascinating topics. You can learn a new language. You can discover what Einstein got wrong. You can even gain valuable insights into your own public persona. So many different subjects. And so if you're like me and you're kind of like, you you, you got a million different subjects that you're interested in. It's hard to figure out which one you want to focus on first. Um, Well, they've got, just go through, just go through the catalog and um, you get unlimited access. You can listen to and watch as much as you want. The courses are taught by the best professors and top experts in their fields, and the material is all extensively vetted and researched. It's high-quality content, reliable, fact-based information that you can trust. So this is not going to be uh just something that you read on the internet you don't know if it's true or not. We're not talking about learning on Wikipedia here. This is a uh, Great Courses Plus. And plus with the Great Courses Plus app, you are free to watch, listen and learn on any device at any time, no matter where you are in the world. Um like I said, I've been Using great courses for a long time. One of the most recent courses, I've read a couple of recent courses on biblical history. Uh, what I find is that interesting subject to sit down and read a, a book on biblical history can sometimes be a little bit dry, hard to get into. But with the um, with the lecturers, professors that they have, um, you know, on, on, on the subject of biblical history or or anything else, they're just very interesting. They get you absorbed into it, and it's easy and fun to learn. So. I'm glad I found a more productive way to spend my time, and I want you to try The Great Courses Plus, too. Get started with a free month of unlimited access. Just visit my special URL, thegreatcoursesplus.com Walsh. That's a whole month to learn anything you want for free, so sign up now. Remember, thegreatcoursesplus.com Walsh. All right. Um, you know, I don't mean to, to air my marital dirty laundry or anything like that, but um, I got you know, a little bit of a tense moment with my, my wife last night because uh, I told her my plan and I had, I had the scissors in my hand and I said, my plan is to trim my beard down to make it pointy, like, like, a, like a wizard, you know, like a wizard sort of point. And I really, I've I been giving this a lot of thought. and I thought pointy beard is the way to go. She was very unaccepting of that idea. And this is one thing, you know, you realize uh, as, a, as a married man, and I get a lot of beard related questions, and this is one thing I'll just tell you before we move on here. Um, one, one tip here is that when you're, you think as a, as, a, as a man, when you grow a beard, it's your beard, right? But what you realize is that your beard is not your own. And your wife is going to have a lot of opinions about what you can and can't do with your beard. I've had so many beard related plans that have been shot down by my wife. You know, different times: goatee, handlebar mustache, all these things. And uh, she she feels entitled. This is the thing? Women feel entitled to stop you. My body, my choice. I, those are my words to her exactly. And she was not uh, she was not convinced. All right. Now, speaking of the Senate impeachment trial, from from the Daily Wire, it says former President Donald Trump is reportedly furious with the way that his impeachment defense team performed on day one of his Senate trial. Um, Two sources, this is from Fox News correspondent Kevin Cork, two sources of fact who spent time with the former president today described him as, quote, being furious and beyond angry with his impeachment defense team. He was especially upset with attorney Bruce Castro um, in his rambling opening argument, the, uh, the former president spending the day watching the trial from inside his private quarters at Mar-a-Lago, no golf with the very same plan for tomorrow. And so he's very upset. Now we have, I think we have some of the, um, this is Bruce Castor, by the way, not Castro, so Bruce Castor, he's, he's the one of Trump's defense attorneys. And his his performance yesterday, anyway, was roundly panned by everyone it was bipartisan right, left and center. And here's a little bit. I mean, you, you, I guess you could decide how compelling you think this is. But here's a little bit of what Bruce Castor said on the floor of the Senate yesterday. This trial is not about trading liberty for security. It's about trading. It's about suggesting that it is a good idea that we give up those liberties that we have so long fought for. Uh, What? And, And that was that was much of what he had to say was along those lines. And when I say along those lines, I mean, indecipherable, hard to understand what he was even trying to say. I mean, it appears that Trump's defense team went in to this trial with no plan. They, they had there's no defense strategy at all. It's not just that like they had a bad defense strategy; they, they had no strategy. They just thought they just woke up. It seemed like they woke up that morning and said, like me in, in in high school. So often, they woke up that morning and they said, "Oh crap, we have is that Senate is that Senate trial? Is that today?" And so, in the car on the way over, they're just frantically putting together opening statement and everything. Um, you know, I know that there's people in the audience who don't want to hear this. Even now, after all this time, you know, that there are some people who, who simply have no tolerance for any criticism of Donald Trump whatsoever. But I, I will say that for my money, perhaps the the, the the most untrue thing that Donald Trump ever said in his whole life, most false thing that he ever said, was when he said uh, that he hires the best people. And we have seen time and time again that he does not hire the best people. In fact, perhaps his greatest weakness is in personnel and the people that he hires. Just a parade of incompetent clowns. Through his administration and after. Oftentimes hiring the worst people. So fighting the worst people possible. You tell me there are no lawyers? You're a former president. You're a billionaire. You, that's the best you could find? Now, and I know there are a lot of lawyers who don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole, but that, really? You couldn't find anybody with all your money? Hard to believe. Okay. From NBC News, it says, Raising the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour, proposed, um, a proposal supported by President Joe Biden, would result in the loss of 1.4 million jobs, but would bring nearly 1 million people out of poverty over the next four years. The study conducted by the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office was also found that increasing the minimum wage would raise the cumulative budget deficit from 2021 to 2023 by $54 billion and would drive inflation, resulting in higher prices for goods and services. The CBO evaluated a proposal that would gradually increase the minimum wage, reaching $15 an hour by 2025. Okay, so $15 an hour minimum wage. The stuff about the deficit increasing by $54 billion, that's the kind of thing that should disturb us. We, we should care. Um, it, that's, an, that's an argument that should be effective. Is pointing out the increase in deficit. But what we've discovered is that really nobody cares about the deficit. Nobody cares about spending. Um, it's, we, we sort of, this is just the truth. Both sides of the aisle. We, we take turns pretending to care when the other, when the other side's person is in office. I mean, how many conservatives over the last four years of Trump said a damn thing about it's too much spending, deficit, yeah, all that was out the window. It was very little was was, was said about that. Um, and that's just the way it goes. And of course, but on the left, they there are people that sort of became all of a sudden budget hawks under Trump, and now it goes the other way. So this is the way it goes. Um, that is not going to be, it, it should probably be an effective line of argument against any plan is by saying how it'll increase the deficit, but um, it's not. Now, the part about losing a million jobs, there you go. I mean, that, that's something people do care about, should care about and do. And in fact, um, speaking of it, related news, I think, this is from Biz Journals. It says, uh, Kroger is about to test its first store that offers only self-service checkout lanes using enhanced capabilities. Downtown Cincinnati-based Kroger, the nation's largest operator of traditional supermarkets, plans to launch the pilot test of the all-self-checkout store in Dallas on February 17th, it's converting one of its smaller stores um, on Cedar Springs Road for the for the pilot. Now this is not they're not directly making a connection here, but I think we can see the connection. If you if you try to force these companies to pay people $15 an hour to do labor that just isn't worth that, especially when it's labor that can be replaced with machines, then that's what's going to happen. I don't like it think personally, I would much rather have the people there having, you know, in, even as an antisocial person myself, I, I will use the self-checkout lane just on antisocial grounds. So I'm, I guess I'm part of the problem as far as that goes. I mean, if, if you give me that option, then I'll take it. But I recognize that in in reality, it probably be best if I didn't have that option. It probably be best if there are actual people doing those jobs. So that is better. Um, well, you force these companies to pay $15 an hour, and this is what's going to happen. As I've said many times, the, the minimum wage should be zero. You know, that, that's where you start. That, that's, that's the minimum. Or maybe a penny. Like that's that's the actual minimum of what of what labor could possibly be worth. And you go up from there. And one thing that gets lost in this discussion is um is not only are you wiping out jobs, but if you're forcing the employer to pay everyone $15 an hour, effectively giving a raise maybe to some people who have not actually earned that and aren't, aren't, aren't doing a job that's worth $15 an hour. then there can be a lot of other employees at that store who could be worth $20 or $25 an hour, very worthy of, of promotion and raises, and now won't get it. Because the government is forcing the employer to give a raise even to people who haven't earned it. That to me is also a problem. I mean, we, we've, we've all had this experience, right? When you go to a fast food place, you go, you're interacting with customer service. We've, we've all gone into a grocery store, or to a fast food place, and we've interacted with a customer service representative who basically just w- when you look at them, it's like they're trying to visibly murder you. It's like, you, you, can, you can see visible hatred in their eyes. It's not even just bad customer service. It's, it's, it's hateful customer. They hate you for being there. So we've all experienced that. And then we've also experienced customer service people, someone working at a register or working at a test food, who's just wonderful, delightful. They put a smile on your face. They're absolutely on top of it. The idea that they should be paid exactly the same, or that that person who hates you just for being there is automatically worth 15 bucks an hour. It, all they do is show up, make put in absolutely zero effort whatsoever, and they're automatically worth $50 an hour. No, I I would rather free up these companies to pay someone like that, like five bucks an hour. I mean, you're you're putting in zero effort, zero. The only effort is just to walk in the door. So pay them five, and then that really awesome customer service representative who's really on top of it and makes you feel good, and and, they're just really, really good, pay them 30 bucks an hour. That, to me, seems the most just, the most fair. All right, number three, Pete Buttigieg, for some reason, is um, Secretary of Transportation, and he wants to bring equity to the roadways, his plan for for social justice and equity. He wants to bring it to the roadways where it does not belong, and uh, here he is explaining his plan. What's the biggest way that transportation has been permanently changed by the pandemic? It's too soon to know for sure, but I think it's safe to say that our old patterns of life, uh, the 9 to 5 Monday through Friday commuting patterns, are not going to be exactly the same. Yeah, and so how might that change what your stuff does uh, you know we think trains planes and automobiles but uh, uh what about bike scooters wheelchairs for that matter those are things you plan to pay more attention to absolutely yeah look roads aren't only for vehicles we got to make sure that that pedestrians and individuals and bicyclists and businesses can all coexist on the same roadway yeah what about what about scooters and bikes and, uh, what about pogo sticks what about unicycles you know what about big wheel uh bikes what about those We'll put them all on the roadways, wheelchairs, wheelchairs on the roadway. Now, if you, if, if what you mean is a wheelchair crossing the street in the crosswalk, then sure. Yeah. Okay. But if you're talking about what I, I, when you say share the road, it makes it sound like you're talking about people in motorized wheelchairs, actually just driving down the street, which I have seen. And in fact, I've seen it in Nashville more than once. It's extremely dangerous for the person in that wheelchair. That should not be encouraged. Now, I'm not going to go into my whole rant again. I did a whole daily cancellation on it weeks ago, and it, I think it's one of the most important segments I've ever done on the show uh, about, about cyclists, specifically, on the roadway. Now, my stance is very clear. The, the, the road, modern roads, modern paved roads are, are actually built for vehicles, and vehicles are what belong on those roads. Not people in bikes, holding up traffic, getting themselves and other people killed. Certainly not wheelchairs, not not even pedestrians. See, we have we have something called a sidewalk, okay? And I think sidewalks are great inventions. And um, it sounds like maybe that's what Buttigieg is reaching for here. He's thinking about inventing sidewalks again. Sidewalks are fantastic. Yeah, put all all all, all the all the things he just mentioned: scooters, bikes, wheelchairs, pedestrians. Put them all on sidewalks. Cars go on the road. I think that's a great system. It really has worked pretty well, hasn't it? I don't, I don't think we need to reinvent the wheel here, so to speak. Cars on the road, everyone else on the sidewalk. Great. No problem. You want to build more sidewalks? Go ahead and do that. Um, number four, mask shaming is a favorite pastime of, of some people in America, as we've noticed. And those are people who are you know cowards and proud of it. And uh, here's the latest incident. Here's a, here's a man. I think it's one of the worst we've seen because it's a man harassing and filming a woman and her elderly mother at a store uh, for not wearing a mask. And here's how that went. Say, so Cheese, you're in Costco not wearing your mask, refusing to wear your mask. Yes, call the police. And here's her mother. Yes, here's my mother. Shame like an Get out, of here. Get out of here. Can you call your manager? Sorry? Can you call her your manager? Yes. Do I call my manager? He's taking pictures of me. Because I have way for the... Okay, so there we go. I mean, we've seen this play out many times. The guy sees these two women, one of whom, again, is an elderly woman. Speaking of, you know, she's in a motorized scooter, speaking of which. And, And you look at her there in that... And that video, see, that is a, a, a vehicle that does not belong in the roadway. And it's, it's not in this case. So that's very good. That's, that's one that belongs in a store or in a sidewalk. Um, but here's an elderly woman and her you know, daughter, who's, who's older as well. And he's afraid because she's not wearing a mask. And so his response is to put her on film. Go, go right up in her face and get her, on, get her on camera. Pull out his phone and start tattletaling. Start snitching. Calling for a manager. Once again, if you're that afraid that this person is going to spread a disease, then maybe just keep on walking. Just keep moving your ass and go to a different part of the store. If, I, I will never understand this. If I was afraid that someone had a deadly disease and they were going to spread it to me, the last thing I would do is take out my camera to document it and get right up in their face. Say, hey, you're endangering people's lives right up in their face. No, I wouldn't do that. Never have cowards... Been so eager to advertise their own cowardice. He, this guy is more afraid than, than that elderly woman. The, the elderly woman, you know, she's, she is in the most vulnerable category. And she's not that concerned. He's more afraid than she is, and he's, he's happy to advertise that to the whole world. Pathetic. All right. Um, here's something that's not so pathetic. I have to play this for you, because honestly, I believe it's one of the Internet's greatest gifts to mankind. You've probably already seen it. If you spent any time on the internet, then you, you probably couldn't escape yesterday without seeing this. Um, but I, we're going to play it again anyway. And uh, and because uh, I, I think it's in the running for maybe the funniest internet video of all time. And unfortunately, if you're listening to the audio podcast um, and you haven't seen this video, you're not going to be able to fully appreciate it. You, you have to see the visual. So I apologize for that. But you can always come to YouTube and check out this segment at least. Because you need, you need to see this. You need to see to, to appreciate all of the The subtlety of the humor, you have to actually see it. But um, here we have a hearing with a a, a few lawyers and a judge. I don't know what the hearing was about, doesn't matter. And apparently some of the backstory here is that one of the lawyers in this hearing with the judge is a Zoom, you know, that we do everything on Zoom now. So it's a Zoom hearing and uh, he was using his secretary's computer and the secretary has a young daughter who had previously been on Zoom and was using a certain filter. And this filter had not been taken off. And so then this is what happened. I believe you have a filter turned on in the video settings. Uh, You might want to. uh, Uh, We're trying to. Can you hear me, Judge? I can hear you. I think it's a filter. It it is. And I don't know how to remove it. I've got my assistant here. She's trying to. But. I'm prepared to go forward with it. that's I'm here live. It's not I'm not a cat. i can I can see that. i'm not I'm here live. I'm not a cat. I, everything what this is why I say you have to see it, okay because the the facial expressions of the cat are what really sell this. There's one moment in particular when he f- he first realizes that he's a cat and he kind of looks down and he's got this shocked confused expression. The cat has a shocked, confused expression. The cat just, just nails the feeling. I, I, I didn't know that the filters were this advanced because there's this, there's this, oh crap, I'm a cat moment. And, and look, I've never seen that look, especially on a cat. It's like it is cat's having an existential crisis. And that in particular, when he, when he lets out this kind of like groan, um, that's the part that really sells. And then the whole thing, or he has to cl- clarify that he's not a cat, which I have to say, as many people on the internet said yesterday, you know, uh, that's what a cat would say. If if you have if you find yourself in a situation where you have to actually say out loud, "I'm not a cat," that might, that means you might actually be a cat. So who knows? We don't know what actually happened. There's a lot we don't know in this situation too. But um, that's that's great. Now um, the other hilarious. Uh, video f- that th- th- that has graced the internet this week, which we played yesterday, was the um, Gorilla Glue Girl, as she has come to be known. Uh, that is Tessica Brown. You remember, she's the the woman who sprayed industrial glue in her hair because she ran out of hairspray. And so she just figured, well, you know, this is an, ad- ad- an adhesive kind of substance. Might as well just put it in my hair. And so she did that. And, um, and then her hair ended up uh, just being... Crusted into place for a whole month, as as you might expect. Ended up going to the ER. They couldn't do anything about it. Now she's thinking about filing a lawsuit against Gorilla Glue. And like I told you yesterday, and I, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, she will. Well, if she doesn't win the lawsuit, it will probably they'll probably settle with her and she's going to make a lot of money. She shouldn't, but that's the way things go now. Because all she's going to need to prove is that uh, th- th- there, was, there was nothing on the bottle specifically clarifying not to use it in your, in your hair. And there wasn't. All the bottle said was, don't spray it on your skin and your eyes or on your clothes. Didn't say anything about hair. You would think you would need to say that, but, um, but apparently you do. Now, this woman, Tessica Brown, has actually gotten a lot of sympathy online. There's been a lot of sympathy for this woman. And she has a GoFundMe, of course, And that GoFundMe is up to $17,000, almost $18,000. We're talking $18,000. People are donating to a woman because she put glue in her hair. And you read some of these comments. Like, here's some of the comments on the GoFundMe page for the Gorilla Glue girl. Um, Someone says, believe in God. You're in my prayers, and I pray the doctors can clear this all for you with complete healing now and in the future. Be encouraged to know that all things are possible with God. (laughs) All things are possible with God. He can get the glue out of your hair. All things are possible. That's true. God could get the glue out of your hair. I kind of think God's going to make you, but this is one where God's going to say, you know, (laughs) you're on your own on this one. Um, And and, uh, someone else says, praying that it all turns out well. Um, Someone else says, "I I pray that she'll be okay. Someone else says, I know the road ahead is not going to be easy, but hang in there and just ignore the negativity. I hope you find healing on the inside as well as on the outside. Um, and there was another comment that I really liked. Oh, we all make mistakes. You're still smart, beautiful, strong, and courageous. I I appreciate, I, I guess I have to appreciate how generous these people are being. But first of all, yeah, we all make mistakes. We don't all make that mistake. In fact, nobody in history, as far as we know, has ever made that mistake, but her. She's totally alone. She she is, she is in in a, in an arena all by herself here. She's in a league of her own and and, and not in a good way. Are you really praying? People went home last night and they got on their knees and they prayed for the woman who had glue in her hair. Now, again, all things are possible with God. Um, God is omnipotent and omniscient. He He can hear all prayers. He can respond to all prayers. So, you know, you can't like overtax God. But at the same time, so many things to pray about in the world. And you made time to pray about the woman with glue in her hair. And to give her money. What would really make me angry, so I'm not even going to look. You, you look at her $18,000 on GoFundMe for glue in her hair. Compare that to like people with cancer who have GoFundMes or people, people who, whose kids have cancer. I bet you you're going to find a lot of GoFundMes for, for cancer-stricken children that have not raised $18,000 on GoFundMe. So let's get our uh, priorities straight would be my suggestion. Okay, now moving on to the newest uh, segment and the greatest, which we call reading the YouTube comments, where I, in fact, read the YouTube comments. Here are a few comments left on the show yesterday. K.S. Hutter says, Matt, give us a list of a few people who who you think could actually be president in 2024. I personally wish Ron Paul would run again, but he's way too old now. Yeah, I would say he's, what, what is he, like 97 now? I'd say he's probably too old. Um, Ron DeSantis is the guy that I've been mentioning, uh, and and I, I I think others are going to I think there are other potential candidates that, that that maybe you could mention right now. I think that four years is a long time, and other people hopefully it's enough time to find other candidates and draft them and find find talented people. Um, you know, the 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 mainstream Republican Party on a national level, if we look at Republicans in Congress, there there may be a lot of incompetent clowns there. But on the right generally, plenty of very talented, and competent people. So if I had to cast a vote right now for 2024, it would be for Ron DeSantis. But I think there are many other um, potential candidates as well. The, the only thing is, if Trump runs again in 2024 as a 78-year-old man, and we have to do all this all over again, then I, I really don't think he's going to win but he, he, I don't think he'd win the general. He would win the primary for sure, and he would suck up all the oxygen, and all of this up-and-coming talent, these really talented guys like like Ron DeSantis would be would suffocate from the lack of oxygen. Um, which is why I really think we need to start moving forward and thinking about who, you know, who, who's going to be the next generation. All right. Um, Matthew says, Matt, I love your new segment appropriately named reading the YouTube comments, but I think it'd be better if you read comments from the daily wire website. It would add a layer of exclusivity. If you read comments from your live stream chat or the comments on your articles on the DW website, this way only those who are behind the paywall can participate and would entice the YouTube freeloaders to get a membership. Matthew, how about you try to stop trying to micromanage me? Stop telling me what to do. How about that? You're banned from listening to the show. Done. Get out. Uh, but thanks for the comment. Anyway. Um, Diana Vega says, I just want to thank Matt for being one of the main voices to steer me away from the left last year. I may not agree with everything he says, but his dry and sarcastic demeanor and logic are what the world needs right now. Well, thank you, Diana. And, and this really, and I mean that sincerely, you know, being able to, because some, I can say whatever I want, present whatever arguments I want. But, if, but you have to be willing to think critically, to listen to the arguments, think critically about them. Um, you have to be willing to adjust your entire worldview. You have to be willing to consider the possibility that you've been wrong about a lot of things for a long time. And most people in this country today are simply not willing to do that. It takes a lot of intellectual courage, so I'll give you credit for that. Um, and fungus, really, I'm, I'm just reading this because I love the username. Kawafungus says, in case you didn't notice, it's time for secession. There simply aren't any other choices. Now, I've, I've said many times, I think the idea of a national divorce... Is, um, is good. I would, be, I would be in favor of a... Of a, of a I, I, I think it's... I, I can't think of, a, of another solution, anyway. Um, I don't see us all coming together and unifying, magically, as much as it would be nice if we would. I don't see that actually happening. But I also haven't seen a plan for secession that seems feasible. So you draw that up, and uh, let me know, and we could talk. There are a few things worse in life than hearing that sound of the alarm clock going off um, when you feel like you just fell asleep 30 minutes ago because you're, you're tossing and turning all night. You're not comfortable. You're not getting any sleep. And then the alarm goes off and you got to start the day and there's no, there's no pushing it back. You can snooze a few times. If you're me, you snooze 10 times until your wife kicks you in the face and makes you get out of bed. Um, but nothing worse than that. On the other side, nothing better than waking up after and feeling actually rested. And if you, if you, it's been a while since you felt really rested, then you might want to look into Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. If you like a mattress that's really soft or firm, you sleep on your side or your back, or your stomach, or you sleep really hot. Uh, with with Helix, there's a specific mattress for each and everybody's unique taste. You don't need to take their word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired magazine. Just go to helixsleep.com Walsh, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Uh, we have a Helix Sleep mattress, and I can attest, it really is the best sleep of your life. And um, the only downside is that once you've slept on a Helix Sleep mattress, you're not going to want to sleep on any other mattress. It's going like to make it difficult sometimes when you're traveling, but um, it's always great when you get back to that bed. So right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off and free pillows with all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash walsh. That's helixsleep.com slash walsh for up to 200 dollars off your mattress order. One other thing, here's possibly the best news you're gonna hear all day, right now, using promo code Walsh. You'll get 10% off any Daily Wire membership plan. Let me tell you, if you're not a member, you are missing all the best stuff. What makes a membership so great? Well, members get our articles ad-free, access to all of our live broadcasts, show library, two, two full hours of the Ben Shapiro show at our always-growing catalog of content. You know about all the great stuff we've got coming up this year. Well, if you want access to that, now's the time. Plus, with our all-access, you'll, uh, you'll receive two of the greatest of all beverage vessels, the Leftist Tears Tumblr, all of that, plus 10% off when using promo code Walsh. So go over to TheDailyWire.com and become a member today. Become a member today, TheDailyWire.com. Now, let's get to our daily cancellation. You know, there are only a few corporate chains whose honor and dignity I will defend to my dying breath. Bass, Bass Pro Shops is one, Arby's is another. And rounding out the trio is that realm of culinary delight known as Cracker Barrel. Um, I, I maintain that you simply will not find a better meatloaf dish with three sides for under $12 anywhere in the world. I dare you to try. Maybe a, maybe a low bar, but still. Also, across the entire American Southeast, there are like 46 Cracker Barrels per square mile. Um, it's become such a part of the landscape that you either develop an affection for it or you become deeply depressed. And I have chosen affection in this case. And so it may be partly because of this deep affection that I take personally, the recent efforts by some on the left to turn Cracker Barrel racist. This is one of the weirder trends among progressive race hustlers. They they notice a lot of white people congregating in buildings, um, in these Cracker Barrel buildings, disappearing inside for hours at a time, re-emerging with a fatter stomach and carrying a scented candle and a bag of hard candy from the gift shop. And they figure that something sinister must be happening inside, something racist. And that's why a few months ago, Cracker Barrel, you may remember, made headlines because there was a, quote, noose hanging from the ceiling in one of their restaurants. And this sparked outrage until it was discovered that the noose was actually not a noose, but the cord of an antique soldering iron. But no worries, said the media. You know, they they simply changed their headlines and reported that a, quote, here's CNN's phrasing, a, quote, noose-like cord was found in a Cracker Barrel. Yes, if you can't get away with calling it a noose, just call it noose-like. And the great thing is that literally any rope, string, or cord can be called noose-like. Now, if you thought that would be the most desperate attempt to racistify Cracker Barrel, um, you were wrong. Yesterday, the chain was trending again, this time due to a a meme posted by some random Twitter account, which makes the following claim. This, This is the claim. Cracker was a slang term for whip. That's why blacks called whites crackers from the crack of the whip. A cracker barrel is a barrel that held the whips for sale at the country store. You see the whip going from the R to the K in the logo. Racism in your face. Now, this claim that Cracker Barrel was named after barrels of whips sold at the country store for plantation owners to use on their slaves, this claim was amplified and repeated and immediately, unquestioningly, accepted by thousands of people. Sophia Nelson, who's a self-described, self-described award-winning journalist, retweeted uh, this claim with the caption, Heavy sigh, I really like Cracker Barrel, but now that I see this and I get it, I sadly no longer can eat there. And she passed this along to her, 74,000 followers. And this is what award-winning journalists do now. They see a meme, accept it absolutely, and on face value, and then promptly spread it as a fact to the public. The backlash was so intense that uh, eventually Cracker Barrel actually had to issue a statement addressing it and denying the racist origins of their name. Now, an intelligent person, uh, of, of which there, are, there is a dwindling supply in this country, upon hearing this claim about barrels of whips, might immediately suspect that something isn't right. First of all, why would you sell whips in a barrel of all things? W- wouldn't they get tangled? Isn't that the most impractical way to sell whips? Well, you can go to Lowe's or Home Depot and find all kinds of ropes and cords for sale, noose-like items, CNN would say. Uh, and, and what you'll find is that they're all hanging or, or, or placed neatly on shelves. If you walk into a Lowe's and say, excuse me, can you point me to your barrel of ropes? They're going to look at you like you're insane. The other problem with the claim is that it's completely made up. Maybe that's the main problem with it is that it's just completely, totally made up. This is a thing that somebody on the Internet simply invented out of whole cloth and posted. There there is zero truth to it. As it turns out, and shockingly, even Snopes did a fact check on this, um, The term cracker barrel comes from literal barrels of crackers that used to be sold at country stores. Now, a barrel of crackers seems itself sort of impractical and unsanitary. Um, But, you know, this was a different time. People back in those days thought nothing of sticking their hand into a huge barrel and pulling out a wad of crackers. And then they buy the handful of crackers for a nickel or whatever it was. and, and, And that's where the name comes from. The Cracker Barrel origin story that went viral yesterday was essentially a conspiracy theory. And this is what we have to understand. This is a conspiracy theory. And, and this is how left-wing conspiracy theories often work. We know about the conspiracy theories on the right. QAnon, Sandy Hook trutherism, and so on. We hear plenty about those. But the left has its own. Um, just, just, they, they just look a little different and are built on different background assumptions. The most basic background assumption for the left-wing conspiracy theory is that everything is racist. Every institution is racist and racism, that is bigotry by white people against non-white people specifically, is embedded into everything in our culture. See, that's conspiracy theories are all about finding patterns where they don't exist or finding patterns where they do exist and then inventing extravagant and fantastical explanations for those patterns. This happens on both sides of the aisle it is very far from an exclusively right-wing phenomenon. Claiming that the Cracker Barrel logo is a racist dog whistle from a store with mysterious nooses hanging in its gift shop is a conspiracy theory every bit as ridiculous and invented as the claim that a pizza shop in D.C. is the staging ground for a child sex trafficking ring. The only difference, again, is the background assumption that goes into it. And so Cracker Barrel is not canceled. It will never be canceled on my watch as long as it keeps serving that delicious meatloaf. But the conspiracy theorists smearing its good name are absolutely canceled. that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including the Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, the Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens, production manager Pavel Vadosky. The show is edited by Danny D'Amico. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, we review day one of the Democrats impeachment trial against President Trump, plus the Biden administration, they continue to push radical policy right under everybody's nose. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen.